podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Extra podcast here at Sellers Park, where Palace have, you guessed it, lost again at home this time in Southampton, also without scoring a goal. We're going to get on to that with our guests, and they are Rob Sutherland. Hello. And a very, very special guest joining us on the pod for the first time ever, a bona fide Palace legend. It is Sir, not officially, but in my eyes, Jeff Thomas. How are you, Jeff? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the pod. No, no problem at all. Now, before we talk about Palace, we have to talk about your incredible Grand Tours. Sponsor as well, James. Oh, my sponsor. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> first things first. <laughs> <laughs> Palace have thrown me off. Um, we are sponsored, this extra podcast, by Miranda Jane Photography, professional, unique photography of weddings and more. Visit mirandajanephotography.co.uk. I remembered the website. Very proud of myself. Um, okay, so... We'll get on to Palace, but Jeff, you've just completed the Grand Tours Challenge, um, which is an incredible challenge. How are you feeling right now? Bizarrely, not too bad, because as soon as we landed in Madrid and had a bit of a little party, you know, there was a few uh, beanos and what have you, but I got back to London and it was straight away doing various things uh, related to the ride, but also with the charity doing... A big thing down at Deutsche Bank where we're hoping to be the charity of the year. So we had a big presentation to do there on the Tuesday. So it's been non-stop. I've been mm. down with the BBC doing various things and um, with Sky. And so as long as that's continuing, I won't stop until, you know, it's, uh, it, we've run out of airtime, really. <laughs> so it's, uh, You're still it, riding the buzz, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think a lot of people thought what we were attempting was too big. Mm-hmm. And I think we'd never got the the awareness really out there until we finished. Okay. Because I think when we actually, with Froome winning as well, the, the Vuelta, the, the Spanish tour, I think that gave us a little bit more um, credence to what we're doing because that was tough. That was, it was, uh, some of the climbs were ridiculous, 28%, 30%. So we're going, they were I, like I don't walls. know cycling, but that sounds incredib- incredibly I, high. I went for a 28-mile bike ride this morning, and I felt knackered. And I thought about, <laughs> I thought about Jeff and what he did. 
And it's just, it just does, it pales in comparison. It genuinely does. 10,000 kilometres, 10,500 kilometres, I think it was, in, in some of the hilliest parts of the world. When you're talking about the, 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 the Tour de France, the Giro d'Italia, the La Vuelta, it's, it, all of these things have mount, you're climbing mountains. You're not just climbing, you know, the Surrey Hills, you're climbing. <laughs> proper mountains so you're t- you're dealing with excruciating pain really as well. i am trying to forget it and you're just reminding <laughs> really me sorry, about the pain i'm, I'm having therapy <laughs> already to try and <laughs> it would be just incredible pain but such such perseverance as well well i think i think that's the reason for doing it is that there's no point just going out there and trying to make it newsworthy when you're doing something that everybody else can do i think we're always stretching the limits to make people aware why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, close to my heart is the cause of cure leukemia. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the guy who uh, founded the, the charity is my professor who saved my life. So it's, it's something that's very personal to me, but also my influences and my... Especially the people that keep me going are the people that I met when I was being treated. Um, far younger, far fitter people than me that lost their battle. And... When I was going up some serious climbs and I was thinking, why am I doing this? Then these people came back to the forefront of my mind and, mm-hmm. you know, it was like a, a little hand on the back to get me to the top without stopping. So You had a great team around you as well, didn't you? We did, and we've, we had um, team members, you know, from all different walks of life. You know, we had a very, very good cyclist, who, Hayden, who was chef of the year in uh, 2013. He could have been a professional cyclist. Wow. And his ambition was to do the Grand Tours and for him to take on the tours. And we used to see him disappear <laughs> up the mountains and we used to wave to him and he used to be waiting for, for hours at the top. But, you know, he was doing it for one reason, but what Hayden does, he commits to raising the money as well. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's got a fantastic book that's going to come out in November uh, with all the imagery, with stories attached to it and with recipes of the different countries, different cities that oh, we nice. went through. So it's going to be a tabletop book. So that's the way he's raising the money. He's, his company have been fantastic, backs the story. Um, and they've put in about £40,000 for him to wow. publish these books, which are hoping to make about £60,000, £70,000 wow. from them. Fantastic. So you're, you're doing this shirt as well, aren't you? So th- this is the... the you, you can pay £20 to get your name on, on the shirt. Yeah, it's an idea we've had uh, in the past with running and uh, triathlons and different sports. And it's where not everybody can do that. Not everybody is fit enough to do that, but everybody wants to, to help. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a way that they do it. So it's not a case of I'm asking you to do a bike ride. I'm asking you to, to donate £20. And it's a bit of a special shirt. It's going to be a one-off. Mm-hmm. There's a 1,000 spaces on there. Get your name on the shirt, and it's like I say, it's going to be unique. And it just shows that you've you played your part in helping us raise money for cure leukemia. That's really cool. So what's the website then? It's Does it donate your name? Donate your name. .co.uk. There we go. Good work. <laughs> Somebody's lip. We're trying to lip read. <laughs> so smooth. Uh, we'll put that on the website and social media as well and stuff. Um, that's, that's fantastic. So, so what's next for you then? After, after the three grand tours, what now? I'll tell you what's next to uh, the, the series. It should be Sir Jeff. No, that's it should. What, that's what should be next, really. <laughs> With everything that Jeff has done for 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 cancer research and for for these kind of for, for such an important issue, it should be so, Jeff, without question. Well, yeah, well, it's very, it's very, it's very, it's very kind, and, and you know, people do say this, but I'm not, 
personally, I'm not in for the recognition for no. this. It's, it's, it's been a journey that I, I never thought just after finishing football that I would be on. Yeah. But I was diagnosed with this illness and it took me on a totally different path to what I thought it was going to be. But like I said earlier, I'm just eternally grateful that I'm here to, through the skills of doctors and nurses. So what's next is really getting back to the serious part of the charity, which is trying to find big funding. For, and this comes from corporate, the corporate world. So this partnership with Deutsche Bank, which, fingers crossed, we do get, that's going to be worth £2 million to us. Do we so need to arrange a protest outside it, like with Lloyds Bank? Maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> maybe not a we've protest. Got, we've got a convincing... <laughs> we well, can convince banks. Well, yeah. <laughs> you want, yeah, exactly. You want history, yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, yeah that is so true. So, no, we have to, you're right, we have to influence the employees now. You know, they've got, I think, about 4,000 employees in London and in the Midlands, and we're down to them actually looking at the charities, the list of charities, and picking their top two. So, yeah, we're down to that. So we've got a couple of, four or five days of presenting to their staff, and we'll see where we get to. Well, Jeff, we're constantly in awe of your efforts. We, we really are as Palace fans. Not only a Palace legend as a player, but also post-playing as well. So, and we're delighted to have you on the pod. So let's move on to football and get your thoughts on today's game against Southampton. It was another defeat. It was another game without scoring, which is now a top-flight record. Was it that bad a performance from Palace today? Well, from what I heard, last week against Burnley, there was no way they should have lost a game. And they should have probably they had enough chances to win the game. Definitely. And today I was sat there in hope. Uh, obviously, new manager, Roy's come in. Great reputation of doing well, especially at clubs this size. And I thought there would be something, a, a spark. And there was, I mean, but then the, the early goal from Southampton sort of dulled that little bit. And yeah. you could sense that the atmosphere in the ground was very quiet. To be honest, it's the first time I've been to this, this, this ground and felt like there was just waiting rather than... There's an undercurrent of tension. There, there is, and I yeah. think that... I've known this from the past as a player playing 18 years. That as soon as you lose your fans a little bit or they go quiet on you, then you become nervous on yeah. the pitch. And I could yeah. see there was a few players out there that I've seen before play a hell of a lot better, but then you go within yourself, and that's what I saw. But Palace had a few chances. Southampton had one or two, mm -hmm. but they managed to stick one of theirs away. That could have easily... I would imagine if that was in, in Palace colours having a go, that would have hit the post or ricocheted off somebody's ankle. Yeah. And that's what happened today. We had uh, two or three chances that turned look like scruffy chances, but you know, one of them goes in, then you, you would see the stadium sort of go, whoa, and yeah. relax, and yeah, then you'll exactly. see the players start doing what they can do on the pitch. The, th the, the problem was that we've got these three games coming up, Rob, you know, and this, this was a big game because we've now got Man City, Man United and, and Chelsea. So the pressure was on today, not just to get a result, but yeah. to score a goal. And like Jeff says, relieve that pressure of I, having not I, scored. I think you've got to, you've got to accept that, that Rome, like Rome wasn't built in a day. Palace aren't going to be built in a day under Hodgson. Um, you, you've got to give it a little bit of time. And, and the one thing that, that a lot of... Fulham fans and West Brom fans said uh, about Hodgson is that he is very, he, he, he drills his teams and there'll be a point where the, the players will get it. They're going to have to, but, but hopefully it'll be, you know, we've got a week until the next game. He's only had two days, I think, two and a half days to train this side. So he's now got, to, got a whole week to try and work on what they can do to, to make things work better. 
And, and in part, it's, it's partly because there's an element that, of having to take some of that personal pressure away. Because I think, as, as Jeff said, a lot of the players seem to feel that personal pressure, that, that, that wanting to make things work to the point where they actually end up overplaying themselves or over trying, you know, trying things too much, trying things too clever. Um, and and, and oh, it, it's going to be tough, but why not? Yeah, I, I think, though, you've mentioned the three big games. I think that is a positive for Palace because Roy will probably have the best chance of seeing the team perform against the best. Mm -hmm. And fans won't be expecting anything out of them games, especially now. But I think, um, I think after these three games, Roy will have a, a best idea how to go forward. Still early in the season, plenty of time to rectify, even if we only get, well, say we get no, <laughs> yeah, we we, we get no points. Yeah. There's still plenty of games winnable games out there and to, to be honest we've got players that are good enough yeah. and we've seen that last season the way yeah. they, they turned it Big Sam took about five, six, seven weeks he didn't he before yeah. and, and, and the, th the other thing is as long as the teams above us don't, don't pull away so you, as long as you don't end up with eight, an eight point gap or whatever else it's manageable all of these things are manageable you know there, there's, there's this I, I can understand why Palace fans are fearful I, I, like, we all feel it a little bit that, that it's never going to get better. But at some point it has to, because at some point that shot that Palace had right at the end, uh, or you know, the, the chance that Punchin had to score, the chance that Benteke had to score, that will go in. Because it, it mm. just it will, because that's, that's the way football is sometimes. It's, it's a, a, a cruel mistress. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's tough. But I think that you, you can't just write everything off. You can't write a whole season off on the basis of five games. No. The thing is, as a manager, how, how do you lift players' confidence when, when clearly it is, it is drained at the moment? That, that's a very difficult task, isn't it? Well, I think speaking to a, a number of West Brom fans, uh, they would still prefer to have Roy in charge. And, wow, okay. and I think they knew exactly what they were going to watch every week. And they knew exactly who wasn't performing every week because they knew what Roy was after. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Palace fans will pick up with the way Roy works. He, like, it's been mentioned that he drills the players. He, he goes back to basics, but he also loves to have flair players, which Palace have got, sadly, yeah. injured at the moment. But um, I think as soon as the, the, the full squad's back, Roy has his, uh, his say over the next few weeks. I think you'll, you'll see a totally different atmosphere within the, the, within the squad. I think experience breeds that this happens mm. football happens you have down times and you, you you don't know how to get out of it you can't see a way out of it and it just takes that moment of uh, either luck or a bit of magic and then bang you're away the question is that how long can we wait for that moment of magic you know how long how long well, do we wait I, I just say then three games if we get something out of it that's a bonus yeah but <laughs> to be honest if if they don't then you take the positive that Roy will know everything that he has to do that to rectify to turn the season round. Mm -hmm. So that's how I would look at it. I think, yes, it's horrible to be in this situation, especially at home losing against sides that you probably think that you should be yeah. to be beating at this uh, time of the season. But, yeah, like I say, the, the, the good point as well is that we are so early in the season we can sort of put this right. Yeah. Shall we hear from Roy then? I've got audio from Roy's press conference just now. I'm going to drop it into the middle of the pod right now. This is what Roy said to reporters straight after today's game, losing to Southampton.
Well, today I thought it was a, a disappointing performance. Um, the nervous, the nervosity, the anxiety that was there for all to see in the first half in particular. Not made easier, of course, by conceding the, the early goal and going one goal to nil down. Um, second half, I thought we did a little bit better and we did get up to the ball better in midfield in the second half, nowhere near as well as I would perhaps have liked, but there were signs that the people wanted to do that and also there were signs in the second half that we were prepared to, to put our foot on the ball and pass it from time to time. I thought in the first half it was far too far too obvious that the tactic was to try and hit long balls up to Benteke and get knockdowns and uh, that didn't produce any real rewards. Um, the major disappointment, of course, is that the the attitude and the desire of the players that you know we, we, was obvious to us even in the two or three days we've been training. It didn't get any sort of reward and wasn't even really that evident in terms of the quality of football that we were playing. Um, so now, as you rightly say, it's five defeats, it's uh, zero points, it's a, a really tough programme ahead if you look at the quality of the opponents. So it's painful today and I, I fear it's going to be painful in, in some of the moments going forward. But there's no way you can talk yourself out of that um, and there's, there's no point in making bold statements that <laughs> might not be, might not be uh, ratified in some way. We've got to just get down to working with these players, deciding which ones are the best ones perhaps to get us out of trouble because today the team was pretty much the team that played uh, last week and it was obvious that with people like Sacco and, and Papa Suare and Loftus-Cheek coming back from long injuries, the only one I was prepared to take a chance on was, was Ruben. I was pleased I did because he played well, uh, but he cramped up and uh, I was informed by the people on the field that he had to come off because he was cramping up and couldn't run anymore. But we at least we got 80 minutes out of him, so that was positive. So it's a, a continuing assessment of the players, continuing to work on the basic elements of football, which is being better defensively, being better on the ball and working on our attacking movements. And the other one, of course, is going to be the psychological aspect where we've got to try very hard to make certain that people don't dig themselves into a grave. You know, the statistics dig us into a grave, but, you know, only, only what we do on the football field can get us out of it or make the situation worse. How did you feel yourself in back in the dugout after, yeah. after five minutes? Was it a case of, well, I let myself in before? No, 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 not at all. No, I'm really pleased to be back. I mean, I think I made that clear on many occasions, not least of all in a press conference yesterday. I'm really pleased to be back. I'm like every football match, you know, afterwards, if you've won it, you're, you're bouncing a little bit and, you know, you're, you're on something of a high. And when you lose it, you're on something of a low. That's, that's a fact of life and that's not going to change... Uh, for me here, from here and going forward but I'm really pleased to be back I was delighted with the reception I got from the crowd I was really happy to be in that dugout at Selhurst Park looking forward to being here on Tuesday night but you'll have to excuse the fact that at the moment I'm a little bit disappointed at one the result and B that we couldn't play better 
and give our fans some hope there that, you know, this will all be okay. Um, but things, you know, you're really, you've been in football all you people, you know, you know that things don't change in two days. Um, who knows? Maybe had we sneaked a result today, people would have lost their heads and, and, and lost even more sight of what work needs to be done here as a football team. Forget everything else as a football team. But I know one thing, and I said at the press conference yesterday for the people who are here, there's no um, lack of attitude from the players and wanting to do things, wanting to work, wanting to, to try and become better as a team, as individuals. But, as I say, psychologically, we, we, we have got a fight on our hands, but we, we'll take that fight on. What, did you detect a lack of confidence within the person? Confidence is such a big part of football. That they can do all the application, all the work they want them to do. Hmm. I think it's a good question. I don't know that you ever really detect that, per se, in, uh, in training sessions. I think it's more the games that, uh, where you detect it. Um, because that's when the crowd are there and that's when every, every mispass or every lack of control is being viewed by, by 25,000 people in the stadium and millions on the television. Um, that's when you notice it most. Um, and you have to be careful not to dupe yourself sometimes in training sessions that things are different. You have to really make certain that you know and make your judgments on the games. Um, now, the players understand that, and they would expect me to do that. But as coaches, all we can do is try and work hard with them to make them into a better team. And as I say, that's what we'll try and do. Roy, I feel like you talk about the psychological battle. I mean, it's part of that battle, the fact that, as you've alluded to, you've got Man City, Man United and Chelsea as your next three mm. games, all of, all of whom have made great, start. good, great starts mm. um, and are going to be pretty formidable yeah. opposition. And that... Having made the start you made before you got here, you're kind of already in the hole before you played. Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's the, I can't deny one word of what you said, and you know everything is one of the only thing is what what as a manager coach do you do you do about it? I can't change those fixtures. We've got those fixtures to play. I can't score goals in those previous five games or, or, or change the points. All one can do, really, is to try and encourage the players to be as mentally strong as they can possibly be. And sometimes strange things happen. Sometimes the fact that no-one expects you to win and people expect you to get thoroughly outplayed, you might give a better performance, really, than you, you think you can give. I don't know. But all I can say, Ollie, really, is that one, once again, that, that I'm very aware of being here that words come easy and words are cheap. The work at Crystal Palace Football Club now is, is on that field of play in both training and matches and it's going to be up to the players as well as the coaches uh, to take that responsibility uh, and accept that this is a bad moment for them. Uh, this is a bad moment for the club. But no amount of talking on my, on my part can change that. It's got to be done on the field of play. Right. Um, is it the case that um, reading here that your your solution to these type of problems is just to work constantly on the training ground with your players? Is that what you're planning to do? When is that, is that is that what you're going to have to do here? Like, does that involve like double sessions and all that kind of stuff? Or, no.
Well, I don't know what I can say or, or add to what I've already said. I mean, you might have to leave me in some way. You might have something going on in your mind that could be could be could be done. You think by a coach and leave me down that down that route. So I don't really understand what I can say other than what I have said. Um, I think most teams work hard on training fields, and I think all players. So I'm not suggesting that suddenly the work we would do on the training field will be so different to everyone else's that it will make a major difference. I'm not suggesting that work we would do on the training field will suddenly produce three or four Messi's and Ronaldo's in the next two or, two, you know, two or three months. You know, we have got the squad of players that we have. They've got their strengths and weaknesses. We need to be aware of those strengths and weaknesses. We need in training to try and improve the strengths and, and, and cover up maybe sometimes the weaknesses. We need to be very um, analytical in our, in our judgment of the players that we are working with to make certain that we, in our opinion, get the best 11 players on, on, the, on the field of play. I've not really had the chance to do that yet because I've only had two days of preparation for the game. Um, so these are the things I mean by, by continuing to work that way. Please don't think that I, by saying we're going to work on the training field that that is the be-all and end-all because I'm not the only coach who works on the training field. There's lots of others do too. We've got to become a better football team and to do that, the players have got to help me make them into a better football team. Okay, thank you. Sorry, Sorry. What, what, given your long university experience, is this one of the toughest tasks you've faced? At the moment, no, because uh, I feel very good about being here. I feel that the players are, are very much in support or will be in support. I feel that the, the, the chairman and the board are in, in support and we all want the same thing. And we all realise at the moment... You know, we've got to do an awful lot to get that thing that we want. So, uh, of course, it's a challenge. Of course, it's tough. But what isn't, really? Um, there are no dream jobs where you just walk in and put your tracks on and then everything suddenly materialises and goes well. You've got, to, you've got to work for these things. I'm happy... I've got the chance to be here to work for these things. I'll accept that it's going to be tough from more than from time to time. And I'll look forward to the day when we see signs of improvement and we start to pick up and, and get some points because I believe that's what we're going to do. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast Extra, sponsored by Miranda Jane Photography, a professional, unique photography of weddings and more. Visit mirandajanephotography.co.uk. Um, I'm joined by Rob Sutherland and the legend that is Jeff Thomas. Um, and we've just heard from Roy there uh, in his post-match press conference. He said the phrase work hard a lot there, Jeff, didn't he? That, that is his ethos, isn't it? And that is his way of getting out of sticky situations. And I think when... A lot of managers take over. There's, there's always the first thing that they say, my squad is not fit enough. And what Roy's not, he's not saying that. He's saying he wants to drill into them his style. He wants to get them on a training pitch so everybody, every single player, knows exactly in that position what they need to do. 
So if, say, if a centre-forward needs to play at left-back and right-back, they will know what that player needs to do in that role. And that's what he does. He makes everybody aware of each other's role and then they become appreciative about what they have to do to, to make themselves a member of the team and, to, and then build on that and then get the basics and then start getting the results and then you'll start seeing people free up and then the flair players will have a bit of fun. <laughs> Goals will start banging in and then everybody will be happy. As, as, as a footballer, do you, do you want to know exactly what to do on the pitch? Like, do, do you literally want a manager to say, right, when you get the ball on the, on the wide, you do this. When you're in the middle, you do this. Do, do you want it broken down as much as possible? You know what? This, <laughs> you used to think when you were a young footballer you, you knew everything. But the basics, it's amazing how many times you have to remind certain players where they have to be in, the, in certain situations. Mm -hmm. And it is a case of repetition, repetition. Then it, it becomes natural. And yeah, I think... Players do need that structure. You'll see players sometimes look to the manager, am I doing okay? And then they'll know. Once they, they get confidence to, to fulfil what the manager wants, then they'll know it w without being asked. Mm -hmm. it, that's when you'll see a, a Roy Hodgson side. And like Big Sam, mm -hmm. you, you knew what they were doing. Even Tony Pulis, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. And I think with Roy's side, you, you know what you're going to get. And that, that will take a little while, but, yeah, it will happen. Did you see signs today, Rob, that that was heading in the right direction? Because I went to Burnley at the weekend, and after that, I definitely thought, oh, I can almost see what Frank was trying to do here. Obviously, Frank went after the game. But they were definitely heading in the right direction. Did you say that today again, or was it a backwards step? to compare, uh, compare this game to the Burnley game. I, think, I thought Burnley were um, they're a little bit more basic in terms of the way they play whereas Southampton are very much a controlling side you know they, they for all the I think I think Jeff mentioned it but for, for all of the the work that Palace did they matched us in in every area especially in, in the centre um, I think it was Lamina the, the, mm -hmm. the midfielder yeah. they signed from Juventus controlled the game yeah and and, and I think it's it's as I say it's it's two and a half days of training you're not going to see an immediate turnaround in how the players are dealing with the instructions they're being given or with how he wants them to train or with how he wants them to line up. And, and there are times when players will try and do things a little bit themselves without, without really going by the instructions they're given. But, but it, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's a, 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 we've got a whole season left, you know, another 33 matches mm -hmm. left for, Je uh, for, for Roy to really get himself into this position. And, and if you want someone to drill aside and to organise it from what everyone else has said about him, he's, he's the ideal candidate. I think as well, um, new manager coming in, I've, I've seen a few of the players walk past and have a quick word with them. It's a fresh opportunity for them. They might have been out and thinking they're, they're going, mm -hmm. they're, they're leaving the club. Yeah. Now it's for them to stand up and say, listen, I'm good enough to be playing out there on 11 and then start knocking on the manager's door. And that's... Uh, from the goalkeepers right up to the, you know, the eleven. So it's opportunity time. Do you know what I thought it was missing today in the middle of the park? It needed like a Jeff Thomas character in there, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought it, it, we, we missed um, Luca. I thought Luca mm -hmm. was someone. He, he when he came on, we seemed a little bit more settled in midfield. He, he, he took he took on um, the, the 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 Southampton centre mid. Um, really well, and I thought I thought it was it it it, it, need, it really screamed out for him. 
I think, yeah, especially first half, it looked like Palace were trying to match up mm -hmm. rather than dominate the midfield. When, when Luca came on, there looked to be some sort of forward momentum every time he got the ball. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, that's, that was the difference. And, you know, Royal learned from that. It, it, I wouldn't be surprised to be playing in the start in the next game. Yeah. And, and he's got Tuesday's match as well to play some, some of the players who he hasn't played. Yeah. So we'll, we'll probably see Sacco getting some match, getting some game time. Ba and uh, Mamadou. Mamadou, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, hopefully. Um, getting some game time and, and you never know, you might end up playing against, is it Man City next weekend? It is, it? it is Man City next weekend. Oh, wow. Oh, they're easy. <laughs> <laughs> how, do, um, how do Palace get the, the best out of Benteke? Because he seems very isolated at the moment, doesn't he? He, he gets sort of half chances each game. How, how do we get him thriving again? How do we get the best out of I, someone I, like him? I think... Going back to the midfield, you need midfield to be running off him. Mm -hmm. For his little touches, even if he miscontrols it, you, you need a mid midfield that's really bright and aware of what's going on. No one gambled. No, and, no that's, and that's what happens when you, you're a bit fearful of letting your opposition yeah, yeah. dominate you. Mm -hmm. you. You start sort of falling back and making sure you don't make a mistake. To, to be a success, you need to take chances. Mm -hmm. And you need to make that forward run and then all of a sudden you find yourself on the end of a, a touch from Benteke, a little flick on. Because first half he was, he was having a real battle. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there wasn't anybody close enough to yeah. pick up that second ball. Southampton were picking up everything in the first half. Mm. And that for me, would get around him, get a bit of pace around him. Mm. And um, we'll see a different Benteke. Use his abilities because he's got so many. He's so strong, wins so many headers. He's really good on the ground as well. He doesn't get, doesn't get credit for that, but... Uh, he's, he's got everything. He's got everything, and that's why you know Liverpool paid what they did. You know, and yeah. um, unfortunately, it didn't work out just as he wanted to do. But I saw him at Villa a number of times, and he was awesome. He was just, he was a one-man band sometimes. Yeah. And you know, he's he's, he's been asked to play that role um, many times up there by himself. But like I say, he needs people off him, even if it's not a, a, a fellow centre forward. You know, that big man, little man. Mm -hmm scenario uh, you don't have that as much now but if you get the midfield aware of what he's, he's doing then you, you open up opportunities so you're, you're feeling positive Jeff about the rest of the season for Palace I am yeah I mean I'm, I'm buzzing because I, I do see I, I, I know the players I, I know what's what's still to come mm -hmm. I know what's in the background I know the youth side of things and, and from what Mark Bright's told me and I just think yeah I, I love it down there, and I think you know it was it was a little bit sad to see the the stadium so quiet, apart from you know obviously the the ultras in the mm -hmm. far corner that mm -hmm. keep bouncing away anyway. But uh, no, it's just a, a little bit surprised how subdued they were. But it's um, difficult though, isn't it? For it is difficult for like fans. <laughs> but uh, as a player, it, <clears throat> I could, all I would say that fans even going quiet, players ear how quiet a stadium really? goes. Yeah, and I think that affects you more and sometimes fans having a go. Because yeah. even fans having a go, it, it creates an atmosphere. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then it makes players go, and all that. And, and if, if you're scared of playing in front of fans that are giving you a bit of stick, then perhaps you, you shouldn't be on the pitch. Mm -hmm. I think, really, you've got to roll your sleeves up. And, and this is experience. This is me talking from my experience. Because there was moments when I wanted to walk off a pitch and because I was too scared to have a touch. So that happens. But uh, I'm saying as from an 18 years of experience, you've got to really be um, honest to yourself and do what you do when you're, you're on 
top form. Go out there and be brave. So in a way, almost any reaction from the fans, you know, even if it is booze, I guess, or if it is cheers and stuff, at least that is a reaction. It's something. It, it is, but and it generates it's not positive. You, you don't know, no, but you, you don't want booze. It's just like you, you just need that a little bit, a, a little bit of frustration. Yeah. You know, you know, get shouting, uh, get on with it, get a tackle in, and, yeah. and that's it. That's that's all you're asking, you know. And the, the fans, yes, they, they pay the money. And but they're they're part of the team, mm-hmm. and they've got you know it's hard You've to say. Do our part? No, it's fair. I think it is, but really I mean, I'm talking as a player's point yeah. because I, uh, to be honest, I played at one of the grounds where the home I played at Molyneux, where it, they turn on you after about <laughs> ten minutes, and and they, they used to say the opposition side say, oh, we just shut you down for ten minutes, yeah. and then we knew the crowd would be on top of you, and that's. That's what they, they used to do. And then all of a sudden you see some shrinking violets in the 11 mm-hmm. start not doing what they were bought for. And then all of a sudden they, they, the game's on. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's the thing. As a player, you've got to stand above that and um, put your head above that uh, trench and, and take the flak sometimes, but make sure that you're trying your damnedest to turn it around. And that's well. There you go, Palace fans. You've been told by Jeff Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> we got to turn up as I'm well. Get loads of stick now. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, good stuff, well, Jeff. Thank you very much for joining us on this extra pod. We really, really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. And and, and again, congratulations for all your efforts with the Grand Tour and, and fundraising. It, it genuinely is awe-inspiring. We, we we really think it's fantastic. You know, when I talk, sorry, when I talk as as I am now, I'm talking as a captain of the uh, of the players. I want to be out there, <laughs> and I want to have a response from the fans. And I would be growling at the fans just as much as they're growling at me. I would be, <laughs> I would be having a go. You know, and that's. That's the way the game's changed a little bit now. The, yeah. the players uh, are different totally. I've heard the atmosphere in the dressing rooms are different, but uh, mm-hmm. it will happen. Royal turn it around. Do you, do you want to bring your boots next week then? Well, I'd love to be. Have you seen me take that penalty? I only just reached. <laughs> it half went in. Time. That's yeah, probably because the eagle dived the other way. Technically, that's Palace's first goal of the season. Thank so. you very much. <laughs> oh, Lord, there was a couple of young kids at school. Before. <laughs> Just a, a reminder, donateyourname.co.uk, yeah. £20, yeah. and you can put your name on a red and blue shirt that is uh, unique for Palace, uh, and it's, it donates £20 directly to Cure Leukemia. Fantastic. Good stuff. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening for this pod. We'll be back with you with the full-length pod during the week. Keep the face, Palace fans. It will get better. Uh, thanks very much. See you soon. Bye. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Sports Social Podcast Network.